from the darkest corners of the creepy old house down the street to the screams in the night. Settle in, para family, to join with Whitney and Brandon for another spooky episode of the Para Unity Podcast. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to season five. Oh my God. We made it. We did. We survived the summer. I'm Whitney. <laughs> I'm Brandon. And welcome back, Para family. Welcome back. So first, a couple shout outs before we really get started here. Mm -hmm. um, I want to thank our friend Xander for lending his voice for our new intro for this season. Xander, um, that was awesome. Decided to go with something a little bit creepier or a little more fun, whatever way you want to look at it. The other big thing we want to do is we wanted to shout out to our friend Cynthia. Tell her Yay. happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Cynthia. If everybody remembers her, and I'm sure they do, she is Raven Rose Paranormal right from Brandon's Neck of the Woods in Iowa. And Cynthia, we love you. Happy birthday. Talk to you real soon. Yep. As always, guys, tonight, if you want to ask any questions or if you want to just let us know that you're here, feel free to put messages in the comments on Facebook or YouTube. And Whitney, let's take it away. Oh, my God. First off, I am still in a summer frame of mind. I don't know about you, Brandon. I'm still feeling the summer. <laughs> well, that works out perfectly because we're going somewhere tropical this evening. Yes, um, consider, we are going to Hawaii today, my friends, and we're very excited to have a wonderful guest on who's going to give us a little bit of insight into hauntings in Hawaii and also more into the spiritual beliefs and practices involving the Native Hawaiians. And so it's very exciting. This is, I'm super pumped about this guy. But before we get too far into it, Brandon, have you ever been to Hawaii? <laughs> no. Okay. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I have. I went once in 2014, and it was during, it was while me and my family were still living in Taiwan. So it was a very short flight for us, relatively speaking, right across the Pacific. And we were sure. there in 2014. Preston, my son, was three years old at the time. We had a lovely time. I mean, I wish we could have stayed a little longer, but maybe we can learn a little more. So, ladies and gentlemen, friends of all ages, shapes, sizes, and all in between, welcome to Honolulu, Hawaii, my friends. Um, it's a brand new season. It's wonderful. So, we, so Honolulu is the capital city of the U.S. state of Hawaii. Historically, it's been the capital of the Hawaiian Islands since 1845. And it also, Hawaii, of course, also used to be a group of kingdoms. So relatively speaking, it hasn't been a state for very, very long, which is kind of awesome. It's located on the southeast corner of, on the island of Oahu. And in the native Hawaiian language, Honolulu means sheltered harbor or calm port. So that's which is one of the big attractions of Honolulu. It's a key port location throughout most of its center of its history. Now, it's far older than the American influence uh, through artifacts and oral history. There was a Polynesian settlement 
on the current location of Honolulu as early as the 11th century. Yeah. Well, in, in fact, <clears throat> foreign merchants came and went through the ports between Asia and North America. So in 1810, King Kamehameha, I'm going to say this horribly tonight, so you guys I will have help. to bear with me. Kamehameha. King, there you go. Kame, yeah. I told you I'm bad. Anyway, that king was selected to be Honolulu, or was selected in Honolulu to be the replacement for his residence in Waikiki. So Honolulu became an active commercial location because of the descendants of American missionaries starting businesses. In the late 19 and 20th centuries, this marked a turbulent events in Honolulu's history. So from the overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy in 1893, the United States annexing Hawaii in 1898, a large fire in 1900, mm -hmm. and then obviously the attack on nearby Pearl Harbor in December 7th, 1941. Yeah, it's... It's just an amazing and very rich history. And that's just what we know as Americans. But what makes Honolulu and all of Hawaii even more fascinating is the diversity of religion and cultural beliefs. Hawaii is where cultures from Asia, the Pacific Islands, and the Western countries, they all come together and every single one of them bring their religions and their spirituality. So that's pretty cool. And that also means a lot of ghosts. Right, Brandon? <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? We're here for the spooky stuff. As long um, as I can pronounce their names. I will. Yes. <laughs> and you're doing great. Remember, we're in this together. So the one of my favorite locations, and I actually heard about this location from the Ghost Lore of Hawaii podcast. Check it out. It's really cool. Um, there's the University of Hawaii at Manoa and is over 115 years old. So there is a history of multiple hauntings. One of my favorites is the haunt in the Hamilton Library. Staff and students report seeing apparitions and hearing noises among the library shelves. And one of the most primary apparitions is that of a young woman dressed in a pink mumu, which is the word for Hawaiian dress. So funny story. Hmm that actually doesn't relate to the haunted location, but the Moo Moo. So my grandma, when we used to go swimming at her house, she always gave us these huge oversized, like brightly colored flowery t-shirts to wear. And she always called them Moo Moo's. Oh, really? Never understood. I thought it was just some little funny thing that she called it. And then as I got older and I heard about these, this Hawaiian dress, I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's insane. Grandma's awesome. Your grandmother is awesome. <laughs> Chat, shout out to the beyond to Brandon's grandmother. Right. Yes. So our next place is the Nuanu Poly or the Nuanu Poly Highway Tunnels. They have a mm -hmm. reputation of being in the center of the lovers' quarrel among gods. Mm -hmm. So the tunnels stretch between the leeward side of Honolulu to the windward side of Oahu. According to the legend, the goddess of the volcano, Madame Pele, and her former lover, the half man. Half pig. Is that Kam Kamapua? Kamapua, I think. Oh, I was close. Yes. I know. We were close. Anyway. Probably all too. Yeah. Well, Lupaka can fix this for me. I'm, I'm yes. hoping. <laughs> <laughs> but they got into a, such an argument that they decided to split Oahu in half and never see each other again. So Pele remained on the leeward side of the tunnel where it was dry while Kamp, yeah, referred the wet and windward side. 
However, mm-hmm. if anyone passes through the tunnel, bringing pork to Pele's leeward side, she will manifest as an old woman with a dog to stop them. And also, beware of the night marchers. And we're going to leave that to Lepaka to tell us who the night marchers really are, because it's yes. amazing. Um, yeah, um, think about it. If you bring a piece of a man that was half man, half pig, and it's a pork, and she doesn't like him on her side, she's going to stop you. So Yeah, but you'd should... think she'd be okay with it if they got in such a fight that she didn't want to be around him again. The fact that you're bringing a piece of pork... You know, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you brought one of my a chunk of one of my exes, I'd probably be probably probably disturbed too. But yeah, I I would as well. Um, apparently, you're also supposed to give the port to the dog that she has with her. So we'll let Lopaka give us more insight into that. But one of my other favorite haunted locations that I found out about is the beautiful Iolani Palace, which was the home to the Hawaiian monarchy. The last monarch was Queen Lilio Kulani, and she is said to walk the halls of her former palace. Um, other manifestations include that of a Hawaiian woman looking out the window and the sounds of piano music. And fun fact, Queen Lilio Kulani was a very accomplished musician, singer, and composer. And you may have even heard one of her tunes in the public context, especially if you have little children. And you listen to SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, there's, <laughs> yes, um, it, the song is called Until We Meet Again. And it's very beautiful. Um, Lilio Kalani is fascinating. If you want to learn more about her, let me know. I will send you some links to check out. And on that happy note, my friends, I think it's time to bring on our wonderful guest who is going to give us more insight into Hawaii and its ghost lore. So my friends, please welcome Mr. Lopaka Kapanui of Hawaii and the Mysteries of Hawaii and Mysteries of Honolulu Ghost Tours. Aloha, Lopaka. Welcome. Aloha. Good afternoon. (laughs) 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 It's a day. It's a day. Absolutely. It is. where where are you based in? Uh, let's start with where you're based in Hawaii. I'm on the island of Oahu, uh, right outside of Waikiki. It's a place called uh, Kaimuki, which means uh, the underground oven of, of tea leaves. Ooh, yeah. are there which lots is, of? Well, it's sometimes these underground ovens are used uh, for baking people alive, or baking the flesh off their bone. <laughs> Right off the bat, we're going there. So I do you guys I don't know if you guys remember, but when we were do we did an episode on haunted resorts and we talked about the Kona Lagoon Hotel mm-hmm. and the site of the Hay Owls. So since we're talking about sacrifice, let's talk about Hay Owls. Mm-hmm. Sure. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> okay, so how did they okay, so I think let's backtrack a little further and let's Let's actually just start with you. Let's talk about how you got involved in Hawaii ghost lore and how you started Mysteries of Hawaii. Uh, the short story is I was uh, adopted at three months old. By the time I was six or seven, I had to go to the children's hospital to have my, my kidneys cleaned out. And in the process of that, according to what the doctors told my my parents, they actually lost me for a minute. 
and brought me back. And I had to stay a, almost another month after that. But within that time, uh, I made a friend at the children's hospital who died in the bed next to me. And uh, one night, uh, because we had a partition between our beds and the ward was just lit in a certain way, I saw his shadow get off his bed and come to, to my side from the other side of the partition. And he was saying, hey, friend, friend, let's go play. Let's play. And so I went to go jump off the bed and I heard my grandmother's voice from behind me. Don't you get off that bed. Second your feet touch the ground, you'll be gone. You'll never come back. And I'm like, but, but what, you know, that's that's Scotty. That's my friend. And she said, you know, you weren't paying attention. But when you saw the shadows of all his family and the doctors, you know, that boy died. So if you get off this bed right now and you go play with him, you will not come back. And so she said to me, no matter what happens, you don't move from this bed. And so the unique thing about that is after I uh, came back from the children's hospital uh, and I told my parents that Grandma Lucy came to see me every day and, you know, told them specifically what we talked about. Uh, short story, she had actually passed away while I was in the hospital. And they didn't want to tell me about it because, you know, I was already sick. They didn't want me to get upset. And so that's that's how everything started, <laughs> uh, seeing, feeling, and hearing. And so eventually I run into my, my late boss, uh, Glenn Grant, who started Ghost Tours in Hawaii in 1974. And by 1999, I was already taking over the, the bus tours because he was already moving on to other stuff. And then he passed away and it fell on my lap. And uh, after after a while, I went on my own and uh, morphed into the mysteries of Hawaii. That's a short story. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that little story. I know. Wow. <laughs> so many episodes. <laughs> I got time. <laughs> that's pretty vi Yeah, and that's so a now, here, Here's I'm sorry, Whitney. No, go this, ahead. I got to ask this. So the kid, Scotty died next to you. Mm -hmm. um, was it later that day that his spirit came over to, or his shadow came over to play with you? Or is it like a couple days later? That, that doesn't probably really matter. Um, yeah. The question I have is, is there something in your guys's, um, in your history or in your culture that would dictate that if you went to play with him, that it would just take you as well? Or, I mean. Um, well, see, the thing is, um, when I got to the hospital, I was shocked that Scotty was the guy next to me, the kid next to me, because he was he was kind of famous. He was uh, in a, a TV commercial, um, oh. and I think it was advertising a bank, but it was a, basically a him and his father, uh, and the father's playing the ukulele, and Scotty's singing the song in Hawaiian, and he's sitting on this uh, fence at Parker Ranch on the Big Island. So, you know, that's the whole commercial. And uh, when I saw him next to me, I was like, hey, that's a kid, so I got to know him. And one night right after dinner, uh, the doctor comes into the ward and closes the partition between us. And then I can see the silhouette of Scotty's parents and a couple other people come and there's some talking and mumbling. And then there's, there's crying and wailing and grieving. And so I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, I don't interrupt. And then uh, dinner is served. Nobody says anything. And after dinner's over, you know, I kind of glanced this way. And the whole time I can see Scotty's uh, silhouette laying on the bed like this. And then I see him sit up and I see him kick his legs off the bed and he comes running around on my side. 
And so I'm ready to go play, but you know, there's my grandmother telling me you don't get off there. And so a lot of times uh, in Hawaii, you have some spirits that are, are lonely, you know, and don't want to be alone. There's many documented cases of uh, the patriarch of a Hawaiian family passing away and they find out his spirit doesn't want to go alone. So within a week or almost a month of his passing, people in his family start to die. And not just suddenly fall down and die, but in just weird accidents or just strange ways. And so in that documented case, a, a kahuna went to the family and, and told them, you know, uh, your father doesn't want to go by himself. You know, he's still afraid to, to cross on his own. So he's, he's trying to take as many people with him as possible. And so that kahuna actually had to speak to the spirit of that father and tell him, you know, this, this is wrong. You know, you're being selfish. You know, this journey is yours. You can't take people who are not ready to go with you. You've sort of like upset a balance, you know, if that makes sense. Sure. It makes a lot of sense, actually, because yeah. you hear about, I mean, for one thing, there is the balance between the living and the dead. And there is a, I mean, what I like about some of the stories that I've been hearing is the whole idea of family mm. and how one ripple of one person who dies or one person lives and is sensitive, it's a ripple effect that affects the whole family. Have you also found that to be the case too? Oh, absolutely. And that's why a lot of these um, Hawaiian funerals sometimes are, are very, very horrendous. There's a lot that are beautiful, you know, and it's enriching, it's enlightening. Um, but, but there's some that are just horrible, horrible. And I've been to funerals where one side of the family is actively cursing the other side of the family, you know, oh literally, literally formulating a curse and putting it out there. And there's been other, there's been other funerals where the deceased is there and, you know, beautiful man, everybody loved him, pillar of his community. And then uh, his, his mistress shows up with his kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then all that happens. <laughs> there's some drama there. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. So in so in like the Hawaiian Polynesian cultures, then they have, I mean, I know I know you said the Kahuna, which is kind of essentially your guys's version of like a witch doctor type, or what, uh, what is or exactly a, is a Kahuna? A, um, yeah, a Kahuna is um, well, the word Kuna means uh, to hide or conceal, and so a Kahuna is someone who's uh, learned and mastered. Uh, the intricacies and the mysteries of a certain art. So we have kahuna of the obvious one, you know, cursing and all that stuff. But we also have kahuna of, um, what do you call, uh, ethnobotany, the 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 equal of it, uh, kilohoku, stargazing, uh, kahuna of healing, of, of hula. And um, they're also, uh, what do you call those? What is the word? Uh, they know the lay of the land. Okay. Yeah. And kahuna of, you know, architecture. So there's various types, but essentially it's, it's someone who's become a master of a certain art form. Yeah. Cool. So it just, it seems like, it seems like with that, with that culture, it, there's a lot of um, similarities with like the witchcraft and the voodoo culture too, almost with the healing oh, no, no. and the cursing. It's very, it's very, very different and very unique okay. um, for myself. Um, 
one of the things my mother taught me was, uh, you know, the healing of a broken spirit and healing a spirit and a broken person. You know, so that that teaching uh, sort of made me a, a kahuna. What do they call it? Uh, kahuna ho'olauhane. You know, a master of uh, spiritual healing or healing of spirits. You know, so the the teaching is very very specific, and so. Um, you know, I understand that people make the uh, the equation of, of our Koguna arts to voodoo and, and witchcraft, but it's uh, very, very different. For example, in um, let's say in my family, we can see that my brother is, you know, is obviously showing the signs of being a psychic medium. And so traditionally what happens is, you know, someone like my brother is taken aside and trained specifically to become what we call the haka of the family. Uh, what you would call a psychic medium and his job growing up is to master the art of noho and the only other the only real translation in english is possession but really not so noho is when your ancestral spirit or your ancestral god will come and sit on the shoulders of my brother and speak to your family through him wow and so he will take on all the characteristics all the nuance of that that family member you know, all those idiosyncrasies that only you guys would know. And so he's there to, to give messages or, you know, to tell you, hey, it's your third marriage already. Don't you get it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, stuff like that. And uh, I had an aunt in my, my family who was also uh, the Hakka. And she would um, she would have our, our Omakua, our family... The deity, our guardian, sometimes uh, sit on her shoulders and communicate certain things. And he is—he is a shark god, and he's the uh, the shark god who's uh, the elder and most sacred brother of the goddess Pele, the volcano goddess. I know it seems far fetched, but <laughs> if you were it's there in that situation, yeah. yeah. So I mean, is, that, is that why you put use the shark picture for your Mysteries Hawaii logo then? Yes, that's that's our omoku, our our family guardian. It's also our family tattoo. That's awesome. Oh, cool. So, how do you balance all of these amazing, all of this amazing beliefs? How do you balance that when it comes to dealing with the paranormal and paranormal investigators? <laughs> when- yeah, I went. I went there. <laughs> When people when people come to me for uh, you know specific types of learning, uh, it's very very unexpected because they don't realize that they're actually going to have to write a paper, like physically take a pen with a pad of paper and write. And what they have to do is write down all the things about themselves or in their lives that they have to let go of. And not everybody gets through that. And if they complete that, then they have to go and do some research about uh, who they are, family genealogy, uh, where they come from. And it's people come with, you know, uh, different ethnicities, different beliefs. And so their next paper is to write about uh, spiritual beliefs and how they perceive that in their culture. So if they're Japanese, that's what they do. So this whole thing is to help them know and realize and understand who they are because I need them to have a sense of who they are, you know, their own self, where they come from. 
because in my experience, if you don't know who you are and you're here to learn from me, then all of your your happiness, your satisfaction uh, is external. You'll always be looking out here for what you need, never knowing that what you need is actually in here. So if you don't know who you are, I can't trust you. <clears throat> hmm. And so that's how it starts. You have to know who you are of genealogy, culturally, spiritually. And there's some things about ourselves and, and me too, because I'm not perfect that we don't want to look at. You, we don't want to acknowledge. And so those things too. And that's not for me to torture them or to break them down. That's there to help them have a solid sense of who they are, a foundation uh, spiritually. So that when we investigate in places that are like specifically heavy, they're not going to drop and run. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. a lot. Of, that's cool. That makes sense. Um, so let's let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get into some of the um, heavy stuff in ghosts of Hawaii in in this particular area. What would you define as a heavy location? <sighs> that would have to be uh, <laughs> that would have to be the Scottish Rite Cathedral and a place called uh, Kaniana Cave. It's on the west side of the island. It's the home of a shark god, but it's also a location where suicides have taken place, murders, you know, and so because it's volcanic rock i i believe that it's um become a repository of all these these traumatic events you know so it's sort of like a psychic thumbprint video except when people are in that location in that cave who are psychically receptive or spiritually receptive and the energy in that cave senses that yeah that's when all hell breaks loose well you guys <laughs> You would have to almost ask for permission to be in them caves, though, wouldn't you? Like, not yeah. even just from the authorities, but from the gods themselves. Cause, Absolutely. Because you know, they're not going to want you just wandering into their house. Yeah, so there's uh, specific prayers and chant that chants that I have to do, you know, before we go in there. And there's some nights, no matter how well I follow the details of the, the protocol, uh, I will get the signal, not tonight. <laughs> I know you got 65 people with you, but not tonight. <laughs> so do you go in that cave on your tours then? We did up until 2017, and we have had to stop going. Uh, we haven't been back since. Um, and for the two years before that, the last two years before that, um, people who would come were psychically receptive in some way, shape, or form. And whatever was in that cave would reach out and touch them. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so it was crazy. And um, I know I can't show the picture here because it's on an iPad. But the last thing that happened, what I always always did the last two years before we stopped was before we went into the cave, I would address specifically the women. And the funny thing is about, you know, what I do is we always have more females than we have males. And so the, the mana or the energy is more female oriented, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But that night <laughs> I addressed only the women and I said, ladies, while we're in this cave, if at any time someone comes up to you and asks you for a hairbrush, 
do not give it. And there was a woman who that night had a brand new camera. She was, you know, trying to fiddle with it, figure out how it worked. And she didn't hear that part. Oh. And so she, she called me the next day and she said, you know, I didn't know about that until I was leaving and somebody brought it up and I went up with that. What did you say? Oh yeah. You know, the guy was saying not to take any pictures. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hope I didn't make him mad. But she said, <clears throat> she went into the cave and she went like this uh, to take a picture. And before she could take the photograph, she said someone tapped her from behind and she heard a young girl's voice whisper in her ear. I'm sorry to bother you, but do you have a hairbrush? Oh, wow. And she reached into what she called her hippie bag and got the hairbrush and held it behind her like this in her hand, sort of like that. And she felt someone take it. And then she goes back to take the photograph and then another tap on the shoulder. And the same person's voice said, sorry to bother you. Thank you so much. And so it's pitch black in the cave. She goes like this, feels the brush in her hand, puts it back in her bag. So she says on the way home, the brand new camera is laying down on the passenger side seat. And she claims the camera starts taking pictures by itself, like the flash is going off. Oh, no. She said, she said it's a digital camera, but it kept making that noise from that other kind of camera. Every time the flash went off, you could hear it going. And she said it was so strange. And she lives or lived on Hickam Air Force Base. And so she said she had the camera strap around her wrist. She's walking to the front door and she has the door like this. And when she turns the door, the doorknob and pushes it forward, she says the camera strap dangling from her wrist, right? The camera takes a picture by itself. And she said that time the flash flash was so bright, it illuminated her living room and the, uh, the motion light detector went on outside the window. And she said, I'm going to, I'm going to send you that picture now. And she said, before you say anything, you're going to see the light behind my living room curtain. She said, what you're looking for is in the dark right next to it. And so she sends me the photograph and, you know, we're on, we're on line together. And in, in the shadow, you can just see uh, the image of a young woman walking out of the shadow. Like you can clearly see her. And so <laughs> I was shocked because this, what happened became an urban legend in that cave because the body was never, <clears throat> the body was never, never officially found. So supposedly what happened is a girl from Pearl City High School uh, snuck out of her, her bedroom one night, friend waiting down the street, jumped in the car, went to a party in an empty parking lot across from the cave. And so the story goes that her friend meets a guy, takes off. The girl uh, is starting to get uh, sexually assaulted by these five local guys from that area. And so she ran into the cave to hide, and the story goes, they found her, uh, they beat her up, and they raped her, and no one saw her again. Now, that's sort of impossible to say because, you know, there's no body. But everyone locally who knew this group of kids are the ones who is, you know, circulating what happened. And so they said the last thing she was wearing was uh, a teal sweater, a white blouse, uh, black corduroy jeans, and white tennis shoes. She was wine Portuguese. And everybody said she was a very pretty girl. 
but she was never ever seen without her hairbrush. <laughs> <clears throat> so this is what I explained to the woman who showed me the photograph. She's like, oh my God, you think that's the spirit of the girl that asked me for the hairbrush? And I said, it probably is. So if you'd have heard me earlier and you're not fiddling with your camera, you know, you wouldn't have to call me. And she said, oh my God. She says, can I pray for her? I said, yes, please pray for this girl. And then before she hung up, I said, by the way, do you see the other things that are in this picture? She goes, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her the block you live on, on Hickam Air Force Base was one of those old hail, those old Hawaiian temples where the kahuna would take infant children, toddlers who are not physically correct. Mm -hmm. And so even if they had a wine stain, they'd have to get rid of him. And so I said, so if you look carefully at your photograph that you sent me, uh, you'll see infant children and you'll also see half body parts. And in less than less than a minute, you know, she I can see her looking at it and then just, you know, <gasps> and the picture goes off. Uh, never heard from that woman again. Yikes. Do you still yeah. have a copy of the picture? I got it. Yeah. Um, it's That's on the intense. iPad. Um, yeah. Probably got can... email it for you. <laughs> yeah. That, wow. And as yeah. you mentioned, the Hay House was a place. So that's another thing that people, speaking of volcanic rock and the Hay House, I know sometimes, because tourists are tourists, how about um, giving some of a basic crash course in what not to do when you're investigating in Hawaii? Crash course. Yeah, I know. This is this is. I, th I think you just gave one. Yeah, that was <laughs> don't give the little girl. Don't give a hairbrush. Um, don't touch the rock. Don't don't take a volcanic rock. Or you can actually you can actually take a volcanic rock. Oh, okay. All you have to do is uh, announce your intentions. Okay. Why you're taking it? What you mean to do with it? And if you even offer a little prayer, no matter what you believe, if you even say, you know, uh, I'm Jim, I'm here with my wife, Carol, these are my kids, and my family is from, from Iowa, you know, and they emigrated from, from Europe, you know, even if you go through that, uh, that intention alone will give you enough pos positive energy to take that, and you won't have any problems. The problem is people just take it. And when the locals say you shouldn't take the rock, oh, yeah, that's stupid. It's a paganistic. It's just a rock. And in 1991, we were up at the uh, volcano and we we're doing ceremony and protocol. <laughs> and when we we're walking <clears throat> away from the crater, uh, tourist family bus, uh, the van speeds into the parking lot going too fast. Uh, father just blusters out of the van, his kids and wife behind it. No, don't take the rock. That's what, you know, the park ranger said. Ah, stupid park ranger. Nobody believes that. And takes a sizable rock <laughs> and yelling at his wife and kids, swearing at him, calling him names, gets him back into the van. And about 30 minutes later, we're, we're done. We're leaving Volcanoes National Park. We're heading back to Hilo. And on the side of the road is this van that has a tree right across uh, the hood. 
smashed right into it. And that was that family. Oh that guy. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm just not going to take a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean. Either that or I'll have somebody local there that knows the stuff. They can send me one. <laughs> it's it's pretty simple. It's a you know it's a human interaction. It's all based on intention. But because we're so busy with everything, ah, oh, it's just a waste of time. I'm just gonna take it. Who's gonna see it? Yeah, that makes hmm. yeah. Um, what would be another thing that you would advise paranormal investigators to not do? Oh, paranormal investigators. Um, my advice to you mean investigators from here or ones who are coming from the continent? Anywhere. Oh. Anywhere. Go, go. We're, we're unified here. We'll go with, we're all, yeah, go with anyone. Well. I would, I would say probably more stateside than. More state, okay. more mainland. Yeah. I was, uh, I think it's five years now. I was in an episode of uh, Haunted Towns. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tennessee Wraith Chasers. So we did an episode on the Big Island. And who is that? That's Brennan, Mike, Chris, Doogie, and Scott. Mm -hmm. So Scott uh, and Brennan and I were in an underground lava tube. And short story is we, Scott asked a question of the goddess Pele. And it's on that episode. And he asks, do you want us to leave? And when we play back the EVP, a woman's voice replies in Hawaiian. In the Hawaiian language. And it clearly says Ke'olu Olu, which means please. And so I dropped everything. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> and Scott was right behind me. And the director said, you know, in all these years, Scott has never been afraid of anything. So no one's ever seen him, you know, just drop and walk away. Um, <clears throat> and the good thing is I got a chance to talk to Scott and uh, his girlfriend, Stephanie and Brennan about the how to and the how not to. So our little enclave got on very well, but it's the other guys who just decided to do their own thing. <laughs> and so because they, I, I believe, because it was obvious to me, they were not getting any results. So in that episode, you'll see um, the other guys, the constant EVP they keep getting is the one that conveniently keeps saying, get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know. You play nice, you get nice reactions. <laughs> that makes that's a very that makes sense for everybody, no matter what. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think what might be interesting. What do you think, Brandon? You think we should get some stories told? Well, I have a question. Go for yeah. it. So you know, like I said, I I told you before the show, I've spent a lot of time on your website and looking mm -hmm. through here, and I mean, you literally do tours like five or six nights a week it's crazy I know. yeah it's crazy because you have your you have your haunted crime tours on mondays the the night marchers in waikiki tour on wednesdays and fridays the ghosts of old honolulu thursdays and saturdays and then one saturday every month you do the haunted honolulu tour right and then but the question that i have is i gotta know what this chicken skin tour is chicken skin yeah <laughs> so um my only night off in, is tuesday that's my lodge night 
And uh, yeah, we also have a, another Waikiki Nightmare thing on Sunday. Uh, the chicken skin thing is the investigative part of what we do. And we actually, we don't advertise because uh, a lot of people here are funny about people thinking that they live or work in a haunted place, uh, which strikes me as strange because everybody knows it's haunted. And so the group uh, is called the Grant Society. And so it's sort of to honor my late mentor, Glenn Grant, but it also stands for Ghost Research and Native Teachings. And so these are not only Native Hawaiian teachings, but any Native person. So even if you're Irish, you know, if you've got something to contribute, you know, that's what we'd like to know about. So there's no one way of, of teaching. Um, what happened, I, well, it's almost been 20 years, is but I began to run into a lot of young people who had psychometry or a telekinesis or uh, could read minds. And the unfortunate thing about that is uh, a lot of their family members, parents, uh, other halves were not supportive and it was starting to wreck their lives. So I would meet them and tell them, listen, you're not crazy. Here's what's going on. This is why it's happening. You're not possessed by the devil. Spirits are communicating to you. That's all it is. Um, and as I was explaining uh, earlier that we have this one young boy who could read his mother's mind. And so she thought he was possessed and took him to this brand new, new age Christian church uh, in a place called Pearl City. And when the exorcism didn't take, uh, she kicked him out and she disowned him. Oh, no. Yeah. Hmm. And so when I met him, you know, we had to sit down and I, I as best as possible, explained everything to him. I said, you know, here's why this is happening, <laughs> you know, according to these paras parapsychological studies and, you know, and this, this is what's going on. And culturally, um, because he was a Korean, I said, culturally in Korea, you have, you know, these people who everybody goes to. I said, so there's nothing wrong with you. You're not going to hell. He said, well, you know, I also happen to be gay. I said, so what's wrong with that? He said, that's the other reason my mom kicked me out. I'm like, oh, my God. And so when we do investigations, um, I have these people go in and employ their abilities first. And I think after about 40 minutes to an hour, then we start using all the equipment and stuff like that. Which is why I mentioned earlier, the Scottish Rite Cathedral was the second place that, <laughs> it'll be a while before we go back there because um, there is a, a young girl on our team. She's kind of like our adopted daughter. She's ranked 17th in the world in women's jujitsu. Oh, wow. I love that. And we have another uh, person who's like family to us. Um, she's in construction. She'll, you know, she'll handle a man, no problem. Uh, former gang member. <laughs> and so the women on our, our team are just like all strictly badass, you know, including my wife. And we have just the guys who are supportive, like myself. <laughs> uh, the one girl, when we got to the Scottish Rite Cathedral, I can see her phone ringing because it's lighting up and she shows it to me and it's the Scottish Rite office calling her phone. She's like, dad, why is the office calling my phone? I'm like, I don't know. Did you give my number? No. So I went downstairs and the secretary was still there and I, I showed him the phone. I said, are you calling this number? He says, how am I calling the number? Like I'm sitting outside in the lobby of the office. The office is locked. He said, that's the number that calls from that phone in the office. And uh, yeah, stuff like that. And on the stage, uh, heavy pieces of furniture sliding across the floor, uh, people feeling themselves being physically em embraced. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Stuff. 
so it was so the spirits were so interactive that uh, the team was not prepared for it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so the entire week after that, uh, they're all wiped out. Just oh, yeah. 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 I, I, that makes sense. That, that works for me. I've been saying it makes sense. I think I'm slowing down tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, but why don't you... It might be really cool to, so are those kinds of investigate, is that something that people sign up to do or how does that work? It's because we don't ever advertise, it's mainly, I mean, we've done a few live streams, but it's mainly people who call and say, hey, there's there's stuff in my brand new house and I'm invested, I can't move out. So, you know, can you come and do something about this? Uh, the problem is, and I, don't, I shouldn't say problem is um, when it involves a spirit that's attached to the land and i'm speaking only for myself um so this is not the be all to end all how everybody has to do it but for me when it's a spirit attached to the land i find that it's easier to adjust for the spirit instead of telling it to be gone to get out uh we were here first because you were not there first so anything you can do to adjust to the spirit will make things easier uh, rather than having to go to the extreme and, you know, full-out inve investigation, exorcism. Oh, my God. Everybody's an exorcist today. It's just driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, again, in my experience, when you don't adjust for the spirit, uh, that's when men in construction sites begin to die. Ah, yes. <laughs> and that's when prestigious schools with, you know, a brilliant student body uh, suddenly becomes uncontrollable. And... That's when state workers start to try and kill each other. <laughs> yeah. And I know in these, in this day and time, you know, oh, what do you mean adjust for the spirit? You know, we were here first, you know, we have the contract. doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, we were not here first. We're just the caretakers. You know, we're the ones who are renting and leasing. <laughs> Let's take good care of it. Yeah. All right. What are the night marchers? So in our, our, uh, in our class system, we had Hawaiian chiefs that were so high ranking that they were considered gods. And so the chief born of that union was normally a brother and sister, but that was only allowed amongst the most highest ranking people. So uh, commoners were not allowed to do it. And so this person who's so high ranking, almost godly, in their presence in life, you as a lower ranking person cannot have clothes on. And you have to lie face down, hands behind the back of your head, and you cannot look at them. And so if the sun casts their shadow on your body, you're dead. If the hemming of their clothes brushes up against you, you're dead. Wow. Um, even their own kids couldn't eat from their plate, the plate of that parent who is uh, high ranking. And so even their number one and their number two, their bowel movements had to be put in a bowl and burned somewhere or buried, or most commonly uh, sailed out to the horizon and then deposited. So our father conqueror, uh, Kamehameha the Great, had two wives, uh, his favorite wife and his political wife. His political wife was the one that was very high ranking, higher ranking than him. And so because he was such a pious man religiously, whenever he went to go see her, uh, and this guy was just, you know, brutal in battle, just unforgiving. 
But when he went to go and see his sacred wife because of her status, he had to strip naked and crawl to her, and he couldn't look at her. And so this is who the night marchers are now in the afterlife. So I would venture to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they're basically cognitive spirits. Spirits who must be aware that they're dead, uh, must be aware there's a point they can't move beyond, but especially uh, because this is not lore or urban legend, uh, they're very much aware of us. And so now in the afterlife, when the night marches are coming, long line of torchlights, uh, the chanting, the drums, uh, the smell of sulfur, and it's too late for you to get out of the way as a human being, strip naked, lie face down, hands behind the back of your head, and you cannot look. If you have an ancestor in a procession, they might recognize you and stand over your body and call out in Hawaiian, Nauno Keia, this one is mine, not to be harmed. And the whole procession will pass. Especially if you can recite your genealogy in Hawaiian, you're probably safe. But the best option, if not, is to um, rub your mictrician all over yourself and your friends, if they're not Hawaiian either, just to be safe. Uh, because you want the night marchers to find you so disgusting, they won't kill you. The other option is to lay on your back, spread eagle, uh, naked, so the night marchers perceive you as being crazy, because in our ancient society, only crazy people did that. The only thing is, if the night marchers are, are passing through this place, and no one's Hawaiian, but they know the protocol, and they observe everything, naked face down, hands behind the back of their head, um, if there's no Hawaiian person in that group, as a rule of thumb, the night marchers always have to take one. One has to go in place of the many. Ooh, that's kind of weird. Star Trek. But that's basically what it is. You know, rather than rather than take all 35 people from Kansas, they'll just take the one. Wow. And so um, night marcher processions at the end have been seen at the end um, having... Hawaiians in military uniform from as far back as the Civil War oh. to as recently as Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Well, for one, I'm screwed because I can't pronounce a single name in Hawaiian tonight to save my life. So, I mean. You're screwed. <laughs> Look at me. I'm I mean, I'm, Irish. I mean, I'm okay with the getting the naked and laying on the ground with hands behind the head. I can do that. I mean, I got to remember to keep my legs and arms open, I guess, so they know I'm crazy. But um, how would they know what they look like, though? Because aren't you all supposed to be laying down and not looking at them? Mm -hmm. Yep. But there's always that one guy. There's always that one guy. Yes. <laughs> Right, but don't they take them? Yeah, and sometimes, uh, depending upon the type of procession it is, if it's the warrior chiefly procession, they'll just kill you. Hmm. Um, no. But there's other types of procession. There's uh, one for um, uh, the circumnavigation of tribute and taxes. There's another one where uh, it's only spirits. And on the night of no moon here in the islands, it's the night of the gods, so technically... Uh, no human person is supposed to be out and about. But we just recently discovered um, a female procession that goes through a part of my neighborhood and ends up in Waikiki. 
And on this, this particular moon phase, it's called Hua, which means fruit. And so this is applicable because this female procession, female procession, fruit, procreation, life. Um, after all my research, I don't know who they are. And I know all of the processions, and I don't know what this one is. And so it was bothering me, racking my brain, uh, all my resources, nothing. And then Roe versus Wade happened. Yeah. And then it hit me. It's a female procession. Men are not supposed to know about it. And I dropped it. I let it go. I believe it's meant for a woman to know and find out. And if she decides to share, that's nice. But if not, that's fine, too. Wow. Whitney, you have homework to do. I definitely do. I'm I'm all about that. That's amazing. And, you know, it also shows likely that these are, you know what this sounds like to me a little bit? This reminds me a little bit of the wild hunt. Mm. Um, And also the ideas of soldiers and military individuals going to a place like Valhalla or something like that. It's, it sounds like it's a way to remember the military. It, it sounds like it's a way to remember how protection. It's amazing. I, I and these are these are all spirits marching. Yeah, yeah. So so literally, like if you're sitting outside, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to make sure I grasp this correctly. Um, so, for example. We're sitting outside. Whitney and I came and visited you and we're at a somewhere and we're sitting outside and we see torches moving in the distance. That means either you got to strip down or get inside the house. Get inside the house because nobody wants to see me naked. Well, no, 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 no. I didn't. I I just mean that if you see the torches moving at night, it's. I wouldn't do that to you guys. I like you. It's like a parade. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, what this is, is you already know this. It just hasn't hit you yet, is that yourself and Whitney are going to have to come here at some point. I, would, ha- to- I would happily come back. Yeah. How did gonna- these happen? It's during the last four moon phases of the Hawaiian lunar calendar. So uh, those four moons was just a couple of nights ago. So it just happened. Yeah, just happened. Wow. So it's those specific moon phases there are night marcher trails that no matter how the geography of the landscape has changed uh, the trail is still the trail it hasn't changed so at the first hawaiian bank building in downtown honolulu there's a procession mm-hmm. going to the 22nd floor office uh, there's processions that go through high schools entire neighborhoods uh, shopping malls a couple of hotels in waikiki so literally if you build a house and your house is on that trail you there's nothing you can do all you can do is move everything out of the way. So like have like a or something like that, just a passage. Yeah, feng shui. And the newest neighborhood here is called Ocean Point, which they not only built on a night marcher's trail, but uh, a place where, where Menehune were worshipped. And they built, it on, they built it on two night marcher paths. Oh. And so as soon as Ocean Point uh, was developed and and good to go. Uh, I would get calls like every month, three times a month. But but if they march through the place where you're living, 
You can't hide in your house. No. Well, you can. I mean, you just can't be visible. Um, what I've been trying to talk to developers about, because development's going to happen. There's no way we mm -hmm. can stop it. So I try to encourage them, uh, if they're building, building houses, to make sure that the doors are aligned. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, if there's a passage, they can go right through the house. Nobody's harmed. Um, realtors. Is this, is this on Oahu? On every island. It's on all the islands. Okay. Yeah, they're all over. Yeah. I've, wow. So realtors talk to me all the time and have me come to talk to their realtor group. And, you know, some people get it and some people think I'm wasting their time. But those are the people who call me about a year later. Hey, remember me? I was, you know, uh, trying to hide my face during your thing. and said you weren't doing a good job. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we're building this place and it's having problems. You know, can you come help me out? I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, you didn't believe it in the first place. Uh, but I do go. I just give them a hard time. Yeah. Brandon, I, I can see that you're going to have to venture over here. Uh, with Whitney at some point. I I am all about going back. It's it's been way too long, and we were staying when when we went in 2014. Please please as a caveat because I had a I had like a three year old kid in tow, and my sister was bringing her then five year old daughter and two year old daughter, so we were at the Disney Alani Resort. Mm. <laughs> That's where we were. Um. But they were talking about, you mentioned the Menehune. Menehune, were, they had them carved all over the place. And it became a fun thing for the kids to do to kind of see if they could spot the Menehune. But there's more to them than that. The Disney Aulani uh, architecturally is perfect. Yes. For us because they made the, the greatest efforts to make sure that everything was culturally correct. Mm -hmm. And so even when they found remains on the property, uh, the directive from Disney was, right now, those remains are important and everything Disney is secondary. And so they actually sectioned it off in a nice grassy area, didn't make a big deal about it. So um, the Hawaiian community was really appreciative of that. And they did try to do a, a Menehune tour where they were going to take you on a natural trail. And <laughs> a lot of the Hawaiian elders were like, no, no, not smart. Don't do that. So that's why it's all on property. So the Menehune are not like gnomes or fairies or elves or duende. Um, in one study on the island of Kauai, the Menehune actually come from a place called uh, Kanehunamotu. And Kanehunamotu is the hidden island of the gods or the god Kane. And it's where we all go in our, our pantheon of gods after we, we pass. And so they came <clears throat> to the island of Kauai and did magical things. And, they're described as being fully formed human beings, but a little shorter than four feet, but very stocky, big shoulders. <clears throat> and whatever task they were asked to do, they would do it overnight. And the payment, I think in one case, there was 500 of them. So the Menehune chief told the Hawaiian chief on Kauai, you know, the payment is one shrimp for every one of us. Uh, the only thing is no one can watch. No one can be there to see this happen, and there has to be silence. So, you know, uh, they have to tie the beaks of the, the, the animals and, you know, keep the kids quiet. And if any of that happened while the building was going on, the Menehune would stop and they'd leave, and the thing is incomplete. And so basically that that's how it works. Um, then the Mu people also came to Kauai, 
And the Mu were people who, uh, regular Hawaiian people, had some magical qualities, but only ate bananas and used banana leaves as clothing. And so they came to Kauai to do their thing. Uh, and the Menuhune started to leave uh, the islands because they saw that other Menuhune were now marrying into Hawaiian families. And so they left. And the Mu people couldn't leave because they'd been in Hawaii for so long. They forgot what constellations would guide them back <clears throat> to Kanehunamotu. So the Kauai chief Kamuali'i in the 1800s, I, I think around the time that he agreed that Kamehameha should be the ruler over the islands and not kill him, <laughs> uh, did a census. And when that census came back of everyone on the island of Kauai, there was uh, identified 75 Menuhune family living on Kauai in a place called Wainiha. And so today there are some Hawaiian families from Kauai who actually legitimately can claim descendancy from Menehune. And so this is not relegated to the past because there's a woman here in Honolulu. Uh, she owns the Bear Estate. The Bear Estate was uh, Steve McGarrett's house in the recent Hawaii Five O. Mm -hmm. You know, her name is Sue. She's so wonderful. She lets us go there and um, very wonderful. She says, you know, if you just donate to her cause, like she loves dogs. So very wonderful that way. And one night we had a group, it was over and she came out with um, creamsicles for everybody. And she said, Lopaka, do you mind if I tell some of my own Menuhune encounters? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So she started to say that as uh, they moved in and developed it to a Japanese wedding venue, that she started to see Menuhune. And her husband who's standing there, recently retired attorney uh, steps in, what we call old samurai Japanese man, businessman. And he steps in and says, oh, I know believe that guy. I know see him in Hune. He said, but the one night outside, uh, water the grass. I hear, psh, psh, turn around, Menehune, run up the stair. I'm so scared. I, uh, uh, nanikore, uh, nanikore. And the wife says, you crapped your pants. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as he's saying that I'm standing here and I'm looking into their living room and there's this end table that's a dark brownish color and I happen to glance at it and it's a pretty big end table and the legs for the end table are about maybe like that wide and I glance at it and I see this person go like this and looks at me and he's the same color as that end table and his eyes blink like that and he's got clear skin no hair and he looks to be less than four feet tall perfectly formed his knees up against his chest and he's sitting like this and he just leans out and looks at me and goes like this and leans back and then he just walks up the stairs right above uh, the fireplace and i can understand what the husband said because i didn't know if i wanted to scream or say something or point it out. But then in that moment, I realized, oh, if my mom were here, she'd kill me. There's, I didn't know there was Menehune here. And now I have nothing to leave as, as you know, an offering. Thank you for letting me be here. And so I prayed really hard in Hawaiian. Forgive me, please. I meant no disrespect. Uh, no disrespect to my mom and my ancestors. But all I have is a screamsicle. <laughs> 
And so I wrapped it up in tea leaf and I left it. And afterwards, I, I told Susan, I just saw one. She goes, yeah, it was watching us the whole time. And so I said, I, 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 I left the creamsicle. Just, Fine. They love creamsicles. That was smart. Perfect. Okay. And so, yeah. So uh, a lot of these things are not past tense. Like they're still around. You know, they're still with us. They're still happening. <sighs> Brandon's spellbound. I got nothing. This is this has been absolutely you know what? We have to have you back sometime. Just and we'll just let you go and just you tell stories, stories, stories. And of course, we should tell people if you ever find yourself in Hawaii, go check him out. Go check out Lopaka out at the Mysteries of Hawaii. Wow. What, what, God. Um, <laughs> what, you just rocked us. Yeah, yeah, you did. What's that? I, what? I already busted brain is like getting, getting worked over today. Um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? If they're, if they're deciding to head out that way, or if they're planning a trip to Hawaii and they want to make sure they spend some time with you. Oh, e- email us at the website, uh, mysteries-of-hawaii.com. And you can contact me through there. Um, we've been getting a lot of uh, Hollywood production people in the last couple of months. Oh wow! Yeah, so they haven't said why why they're showing up to my thing. So I don't know if they're looking for material, but um, yeah, they've been genuinely freaked out, and they pretty much at the end of the thing have the look that Brandon has on his face right now. <laughs> you know, and th- and this is from them. Uh, these Hollywood production people have said, "Wow, this is completely unexpected." And you know, I, I know it's it's listed as a ghost tour, but really in the last fifteen years it's really become more of an experience. You know, you come and you have an experience. And the beauty of, of the whole thing is even though I'm the guy that's waffling on for an hour and a half, the whole thing is about the people who show up and less about me. And I let them know, you know, the kind of energy you have with you right now determines the course of how this thing is gonna go. And it kind of freaks them out, but I tell them, you know, there's spirits out there that are ready to react to whatever you have. <laughs> yeah. So bring cream sickles. Bring creams. Cream sickles. If you bring food on my thing, it's going to go a completely different way because it's going to be food oriented and we're going <laughs> to end up going into a cheeseburger place. My wife's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to bring a, a some sort of offering let me know ahead of time and i'll bring a few things to properly prepare it so we can offer it with the right prayers and the right intentions i think it'd only be beneficial to do that though yeah because i mean with the way you 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 know you've been telling us over the last hour here about the way the gods respond and as many who the way they respond if you come across them sounds like they're pretty much everywhere there yeah. For the most part. I mean, if you come across one, Jesus, um, <laughs> if you see one, you need to do a prayer and an offering. Just, you know, properly. briefly apologize because, you know, that's your elder. And just say, hey, I'm Brandon. You know, my intention on being here is A, B, and C. I didn't know you were here. I apologize. You know, if, if, I, if I've unintentionally done anything wrong, it was not my intent, you know. That kind of stuff. 
Okay, so if you're on Lepaka's tour and you see something like that, let him know right away. Yeah. So he can, yeah, so he can make sure that everybody does the right thing and takes care of each other. Well, the only real problem lately, uh, the past couple of years, and these, uh, we do uh, what we call ghost story, ghost storytelling concerts, you know, at, at venues and theaters. Uh, the only re real problem has been people showing up with their uh, deceased loved ones who are trying to get a message through and they can't get through to that person. So what's been happening is uh, people's spirits of deceased loved ones uh, basically try to hijack the tour or the storytelling thing. You know, they won't let it go until I say it, at least say something to whoever's there. So that's, that's been a problem. Mm. <laughs> I can only imagine how much stuff follows me around with all the places I've been. Yeah, me, me as well. Well, so. You get it. You get it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate uh, that. Oh, man. This has been just amazing. Lapaka, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, yeah. We haven't even scratched the surface. That's No. The, uh, so we're, we, this means we got to have you back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Not a problem. All yeah. right. <laughs> wow. Brandon's was... like happy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a great way to start the season. <laughs> if you guys ever get here, well, I'll have my wife cook up uh, Cinnabon fried ice cream or something. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I'm in love with your wife right now. I'm in love with her. Well, she's Irish Filipino. Sweet. Yeah. So. And just so you know, we do have some wonderful people on the chat tonight. Hey, uh, yeah, Ali Schmaltz just wished us uh, congratulations on the new season. And Betsy Kulikowski, our wonderful friend of the show, great way to start the season. And she lived in Hawaii before, uh, her family lived in Hawaii before she was born. So she's really interested in everything with this. There's nothing Betsy's not involved in, I swear. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Betsy is a real good friend, and yeah, yeah. this has just been wonderful. Sounds like Betsy is essential to to the success of a lot of things. She is. In fact, I get to be in a book with her finally. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yes. she's, she's an amazing author. Betsy so. is amazing. Everybody is amazing associated <laughs> with this show. Everyone's awesome. Yeah. All right. Lepaka, Um what I'll do is, is in the show notes, I'll make sure to put links to um, your Facebook for the Mysteries of Hawaii as well as to the website. Yeah. So that and way, in, Instagram. That way anybody's, oh, Instagram too? Okay. Yep, we'll definitely make that sure that's all in the show notes. And hey, let's kick it off, guys. We just <laughs> kicked it off. <laughs> so my last parting words to, to all of you, uh, Brandon and Whitney and everybody who's listening and watching, what I would like you to do uh, tomorrow, first thing, is think about the person that needs to hear from you that you love them. Might even be somebody that you don't care about, but think about the person who needs to hear those words from you. I love you. Thanks. Thank you. Mahalo. All right. Hello. Thanks again to Lepaka Kapanui. And all of you for tuning in the tonight. Whew. Wow, what a night. And yeah. folks, 
As always, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please remember to take a second and rate us five stars or leave us a review because it helps us get the word out about the show and we want to hear your feedback to help make the show better. Absolutely. And if you're an Android listener, you can follow us on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or simply just tell Alexa to play the Parity podcast. So you never miss an episode. If you like the show, remember to tell a friend. If you want to be a guest on the show or if you just want more Parity, please join us on our Facebook or Instagram pages. Also, if you want to help support the show, please stop by the website and buy us a coffee. But my name is Brandon. And I'm Whitney, and you have been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together, the Para-Unity Podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful night, and mahalo and aloha to you, Lovaka. Thank you. Aloha.